Welcome back to the Sister Seekers podcast. I am here with Cal, and last week we dove into my entire career journey, and this week we're going to dive into Callie's. And she has taken some interesting turns, so I cannot wait for you guys to hear about them. But first... I wish it was super exciting, but it's not. (laughs) But first and foremost, let's dive into Kelly's childhood. Little Kelly, what did she love to do? And were there any professions that you were gravitating towards? So... I remember listening to your stories as a little girl. It's funny because I don't rem- I don't remember having as many like anxiety events when I was a kid that you had, I guess. Or maybe I did and I just don't remember them. I'm not sure, but I remember just really loving to do stuff, like be out and about. I w- loved figure skating. I loved doing gymnastics. I loved running around and playing foursquare and rollerblading and riding my bike and being outside. I I don't, like I had said, I don't remember like wanting to color. I remember that being so boring. Like, why do people like to color? This is so like lame. And we weren't big on dolls or Barbies or anything like that. We had them, but like it wasn't anything that you and I were like super excited about. So I just remember being like just wanting to be outside, wanting to go do stuff. Love gym class. Gym class was yeah, it was that. Like yes. the, you know, when I think about like the classes that I really loved, and I loved school, like I loved learning. And but you know, my favorite class was gym class. Let's play four square. Let's play kickball. Let's do the obstacle course. Let's jump rope. Let's, you know, it was just, that's what I loved. I remember there was a day, I think it might have been in maybe first or second grade, and we had like a career day. And it was like, come to school dressed up as the profession you want to be when you're older. And I apparently, wanted to be an archaeologist. And I remember dressing in like like a denim shirt <laughs> and jeans. And I think I had like, I, I don't even know, I had like a hat on, like an Indiana Jones, like cowboy. I don't even, I, whatever the vision was in my head of what an archaeologist looked like. But I remember that. And then I also remember vaguely wanting to be a National Geographic photographer. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as kids, you I f- you make a lot of collages. Like there's, like, grab the magazines from the library and, like, make a collage for this class or whatnot. And I remember back in the day, because we grew up in the 90s, magazines were everywhere. And the National Geographic magazine was always full of beautiful photos of different places all over the world and animals. And I was just like, oh, well, that would be the coolest thing. So that's what I recall. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. When you went to college, did you know right away what you wanted to do and how did you figure it out? I stuck pretty well to my degree, I decided to go for kinesiology. And did you know that right away? I don't even remember. I did. 
I, I remember going into college thinking like, oh, well, this is kind of the only thing I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. So I will go down that route. And the reason why I got interested in that is because I remember we were younger and mom had gotten a personal trainer. And I had tagged along with her to the gym. And so I got to see what a personal trainer did. And from that very simple perspective, it looked like she, oh, like she gets to work with people. She gets to help people. She's not at a desk all day long. And it just looked like the kind of profession that was more fun, like a little bit more. It wasn't so buttoned up. And I knew pretty early on that I was not going to be a nine to five corporate girl staring at a computer and behind a desk all day. I just knew that about myself early on. I needed to be up and about. So it really seemed like that profession being in the fitness industry was going to work really well for me. And I also really loved learning about the human body. I just thought it was fascinating. So it was kind of these like two things that I just like put together. Yeah. And I stayed really like really steadfast with that. I didn't I didn't really have a lot of questions about it in college. Like I didn't it was like, oh no, I didn't waver. It was just like, oh no, this is, you know, this is it. I envy that. I was so all over the board. It's nice that you had a direction. Well, I mean, as much of a direction that you can have when you're 18. Yeah. And you're forced to figure out what you want to do with your life. I mean, it was a direction because I didn't yeah, I was being forced into figuring it out. Right. I think most people are like you. Like, I have no fucking clue because I'm 18. Right. <laughs> That's so true. So, okay. Upon graduation, you hit a crossroads because you were between two different things of going to grad school or another opportunity was on the horizon for you. So tell tell us more about that. Yeah, so naturally, you know, you're, it, it was not a great time to be getting a job. It was 2009, like Kristen had mentioned before. And it was naturally going to be like, you're not going to dive into jobs. Like it was kind of like, remember that just being like, hey, you can either like seek higher higher education or you're going to have to figure something else out. Because like going into especially the fitness industry. So that is a that is something that people aren't – that's like the first thing they cross off the budget. If they need to cut back, like those personal training sessions, that's going. So it was just not a profession that was going to be – that was going to have a lot of jobs at the time. So yeah, it applied to graduate school. And I had taken the GRE and I was I had a professor that had reached out to me who wanted me to work with him in his lab. And so it was very much like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I guess this is the route that I was going. I knew that our parents were like very like, that sounds like a good safe route. Yeah. Like <laughs> you could get published in a, you know in a journal and whatever. And I was just like, yeah, you know, but 
I'm so glad I didn't go that route because what a misery of financial debt. Yeah. We were already in financial debt with our undergrad mm-hmm. and it would have just been next level. Right. And it, I truly believe it would have gotten me nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but I, yeah, I kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, what did you end up doing? I had a friend who knew that I I had – I must have expressed at some point that I really wanted to travel. And I wanted to study abroad in undergrad, but our, our parents were really against it. And I, of course, just let that be that. I didn't question it. I just – there and. It, I it should. was a financial. It was, but you know, yeah. we were in loans anyway, so right. it wouldn't have mattered. Like it, I still would have had to pay it back <laughs> right. at some point. So, you know, it was just silly. But no, they were kind of against the study abroad thing during college. But he knew I wanted to travel, and he had reached out to me and said, "Hey, I know you want to travel. This is what I'm doing, and I think you should look into it." And he was going to teach English in South Korea, and I kind of immediately was like excited about it and it kind of sparked something in me that going to graduate school was not sparking for me going to graduate school was the safe option it was something that looked really good on paper and it seemed like everybody else when i say everybody else meaning our mom and dad my professors were kind of like pushing me towards. But I immediately felt like once this other option was was there for me, I was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. This is what lights me up. This is exciting. It's terrifying, but it's exciting. And I knew that I had to go. I knew I had to go that route. Yes. Okay. So you pack your bags. You go to South Korea. You're there for a year. What did you learn? Like, looking back, would you have changed anything? No. I met three wonderful, amazing girls. We taught at the same school. We're still friends today. And I got to explore a country I would probably have never gone to, a culture that was so different from our culture. And it was – I don't even – I don't even have the words to explain like how important it was for me to do that from like a soul level too. Like I, you and I being identical twins, we were so, our lives were so enmeshed. Mm -hmm. This was the first time you and I were apart. Yeah. And I feel like it was also really good for you even just being at home. Like you could kind of like create this new identity for yourself that had nothing to do with me nobody you know and i went to a a different country and nobody knew you we weren't we weren't known as the twins we were just known as individuals yes and so that was so important i remember that was our first birthday we spent apart ever and but it was it it was sad but at the same time i was like oh i this is I've never had a birthday where people just celebrate me. You know, mm-hmm. we've always shared it. So yeah, it was a really good experience to kind of become more of an individual. It was it was everything. You know, it was it that year although it came with challenges, it it once again it sparked something in me that I hadn't I hadn't really felt 
before I was just like, I want to, I remember being in that country and just being like, I want to see and do everything. I want to go everywhere. I just like lit up this like travel bug in me and it, everything was just exciting and new. And that year felt like the longest year of my life, not in a bad way, but like in a good way because I wasn't on this hamster wheel. Yeah. You didn't necessarily have a routine. No. That sucked you in and time flew by. So that was my year out of college. Amazing. So, okay, you come home from Korea. You go to Australia with me for a few months and we both come back together. And then what? I start applying for jobs. So I start applying for personal training jobs. I I think it took me a few months, not terribly long, took me probably four months maybe to get that job. And I moved to the uh, Waukesha area. My job was in the Brookfield area, so just outside of Milwaukee. I was there for two years. And that came with you know, a lot of the same issues that every person in the fitness industry will confront. You know, the the hours are terrible. The pay is miserable. I met my, the team, my team members were amazing. But, you know, there were some writing on the wall that I kind of, kind of listened to. Paychecks weren't coming in on time. Managers were getting let go. There were, Lots of signs pointing to financial ruin. Right. And I left there, and a couple years later, they went under. Yeah. So I ended up moving back home to Janesville. I was getting my certificate of, I went into, wanted to get some more education on health coaching. So I got my certificate in that, and I paid that out of the tiny little savings that I had. So that depleted me completely. So I, went back and lived with mom and dad. And I had got another personal training job in Janesville. Was there for, was in Janesville, I think for two years. And then I moved to Madison and got a job at a um, boutique fitness gym. And that's actually the gym that I, um, that was the franchise that we um, built or she won a key from. So Okay. And so how long were you a trainer at that franchise before the idea of becoming an owner presented itself? I think I was there for about three years. I can't remember exact dates, but I think around that time frame, two and a half, maybe three years. Okay. And so how did this idea of becoming an owner of your own gym under this franchise come up and then how did you and Tom, your husband, make that decision to do that? So Tom was in the sports kind of, he was in what, strength and conditioning. So he was in the sports kind of more athletic sports realm. And he got done with school and needed a job. And so we were, we were definitely looking for another trainer at the gym that I was at. And so I basically said, hey, you should talk to the owner of this gym. And he got hired there. So we started working together there. And the franchise was growing. The The owner of the gym that I was at, they they were going to be 
buying the franchise holdings, which means that they were going to be buying the the franchise itself, and and they wanted to start growing their locations. And so, after a couple years at at this particular gym, Tom and I were asked if we would like to open up the first new location under the new ownership. And Tom and I, both being in the fitness realm, there were several things that we had a lot of ideas of our own. We kind of like tossed around the idea of owning our own gym someday. And it was the logical and natural next step in the profession. It is, there's not a whole lot of growth that can happen in the fitness industry if you aren't wanting to open your own gym. And we we also just kind of got to this point where we're like, I think we can do a lot of things better or there's a lot of things that we would like to do differently. And we were kind of ready for that autonomy. I was ready personally for a bit more of a challenge professionally. So it was just something that lined up really well with where were we where we were at in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, I did not feel the feeling that I had when I was presented with the opportunity to go travel and go to South Korea that like, that spark, that excitement, that like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to do this. It's terrifying, but I can't wait to do it. I did not have that feeling and that sense with this option. And it... How did it feel? It felt logical. It felt like grad school. (laughs) The safe option? It did. It felt a lot like grad school. Mm -hmm. It felt like... I didn't I never felt legitimate in the job that I was in the fitness industry in particular. I never feel like anybody looks at it as like as a professional skilled job. I think people look at the fitness industry and the way that it's the way that you watch any movie and if there's a personal trainer in that movie, they're like a total bimbo or just like a douchey guy or it's just it's a joke being in the fitness industry is perceived as a joke and i hated that and i i really i wanted to make changes in the industry and i wanted to be finally i wanted people to look at me as legitimate and being a business owner i felt like was going to finally give me that sense it sounds so silly when I say it out loud now, but I think I was searching for that too. Yeah, some level of respect among peers and family. Absolutely. So you became a business owner, and did you feel it commanded that level of respect that you were searching for? I, sure. <laughs> I think you could say that. I'm not entirely, I don't know. I mean, yes and no. I still think, I I don't know. I don't, maybe not actually, now that I'm thinking about it, but that's okay too. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. So I want to back up just a little bit. You mentioned wanting to make changes to the fitness industry and perhaps change it for the better. 
what were some of those changes that you implemented at your own gym that you felt did make a difference? I always wanted, it's a profession where, you know, I feel like a lot of high impact jobs in the world are never paid what they should be. And when I say like high impact, like I think about like social workers, first responders, nurses. I mean, just, uh, oh gosh, hospice care workers, like Mm -hmm. people who like their work, it, it's big. It's very impactful. It's, you're working directly with a per- the person who needs it and and not and I I just feel like sometimes the fitness industry it kind of sneaks into that because you are it is a high impact job and you are working directly with that person and you can see the work that you're doing make make a difference and that's so wonderful but unfortunately you're never really compensated appropriately the hours are rough so I wanted to make sure that we were we were compensating better I wanted to create a better work-life balance for our trainers, which I do believe that we did that. I I also just wanted to have our trainers just feel like heard, listened to, create an environment in which they felt safe to bring up any, oh gosh, just any, if they have an idea for a new program, I wanted them to be, feel like that they were supported, they were heard. And I I felt like we did that. I really do. I There are still several things in the industry, such as providing wonderful health insurance, providing 401ks and certain things that the fitness industry still doesn't do well. I wasn't going to, I knew it wasn't going to completely change the system, but I wanted to do the best that we could do in this small, small gym that we had. So mm-hmm. we did some of that. So you're an owner at your own gym for five years. You go through the ups and downs of hiring trainers and trainers leaving and building your client base. And at what point do you decide this isn't for me anymore? It's hard to say if there is a exact pinpoint I just there were several things that had happened in those five years that really stacked up that created a level of burnout that I don't think that there would be any coming back from and that the only way the only way through or the only way out was selling and Six months into beginning or opening up the business was when dad got his diagnosis. And I remember at that point, everything kind of shifted. We <clears throat> we were in it. We were in the grind of business ownership. We had no staff. We were working, we were waking up at 4 a.m. every day. We were working split shifts every day. We were working every weekend. It was a it was a fucking grind. It was terrible. But it was also like one of those things that like all business owners talk about, you know, like the grind, the hustle, the whatever. Like, and I know a lot of people like have a big stamp of pride with that shit, but 
it's ego. Like, it sucks. <laughs> like, and it's inevitable. I mean, you're building a, cl- a you're building a client base from zero, so you have no capital. You can't really bring on staff yet, and so that's where we were. And then Dad got his diagnosis, and I, there was, like you had mentioned in your episode, it I think completely turned my world upside down because up until that point, I thought that if you worked hard enough and you put your head down and you did everything that you could, you would, one, make a lot of money, and then two, at some point you'd be able to enjoy it. Yeah. And I think that that, my bubble was burst because dad put his head down and worked real hard up until 65, and he never got to enjoy it. All of his hard work, all of the money he saved, it was all for nothing because he never got there. He got sick, and he got sick quickly. He went downhill quickly. And I just remember, like, there was a shift happening, and I wanted to – I started getting very resentful. And I think that that's where it all really started to snowball. I got resentful of the fact that I wanted to be with dad, but I also had to be at the gym. And because we had, we had no trainers, it was just Tom and I, I was leaning on Tom really hard and I had, I felt guilt with leaning on Tom too much. And then I felt guilt that I wasn't at home enough and just a big it, resentment was brewing at a pace that I don't think I fully understood. Yeah. It was like this like perfect storm that was forming. Dad passed away six months after his diagnosis. So then there was the grief that was happening. And six months after he passed was the pandemic and the pandemic hit. And being in the fitness industry with the pandemic, we got hit very, very hard. And we practically had to start over again with our client base. Not completely, but over 50%. And it was back to the grind. Once again, we did we we had to, we had no employees and it was it was grind. It was like we started over again. And I think that's when it was really starting to solidify for me that the burnout and the resentment, I don't think I was going to be able to get rid of it. I don't think I was going to be able to find my way out of that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. And that was all within the first year of business, wasn't it? So the pandemic happened about a year and a half after business. Okay. So it was six, you know, six months into business ownership was dad's diagnosis. Six months after that, he passed. Six months after his pass, he it was pandemic time. So it was a, it was a year and a half of, yeah, it was just brutal. How did you keep going? I don't know. I don't, I don't actually have a lot of memories of that time, which I think is just, 
You were. It was survival. It was survival. It was, I remember I would break down and cry almost every day. I remember this. (laughs) I lost my sense of self. I don't remember. I remember thinking, when will I ever laugh again? It was so heavy. It was so dark. It was, I was in despair. Yeah. I remember this time. It was horrible to watch because, I mean, you were a shell of yourself. It was like, where did my sister go? Like, I haven't even, she used to be really fun and silly, and I haven't seen her smile, let alone laugh, and I don't even know how long. Yeah, it was, it was utter despair. And I, I think the hard part about it was, I mean, there were so many things, but, you know, being in the fitness industry, I feel like there is a sense of performance. I felt like a performer. I I had to go into the the gym and I had to put on my mask of a happy trainer. And every I did not talk I did not talk about myself. It was never and that's how and I honestly I do think that's how it's supposed to be. I think it should always be client centered. But I was I just felt there was such a disconnect. I didn't feel like I could be me because I was so broken. (laughs) I didn't, I couldn't be myself with anybody Mm -hmm. because nobody, it's not fair to be like that around clients. So you be who you need to be, just energetic and happy and connected with your clients. And then you go home and you cry. And that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. So you get to a certain point where you start to put the wheels in motion to sell. What did those conversations, what were they like with Tom? Like, how did they come about and how did you know it was time? There was no, there was no other option for me. It, I knew I had to make a change in my life because I, I didn't recognize who I was and I hated it. And I would go on walks and I would think about if I didn't have this gym like, what would I want to do? And how would it feel? And I just, I allowed myself to like dream about it. And it just became, it, it became something that needed to happen for me. And I expressed that to Tom. And I remember saying, look, I need to not be a part of this anymore. And it's okay if you don't feel the same way. Because you can keep doing this, but I'm going to have to take myself out of this equation. And at year four, we decided together that we both no longer wanted to be owners. And at year four, that's when 
we started to have a conversation with our teammate who we thought would be just a phenomenal person to take it over. And yeah, it was about a year of getting things ready and making that transition. And and here we are. Yeah. So you stepped away. I guess what I want to know is looking back, what would you have done differently? And would you have even done this? stepped into business ownership? I ask myself that. And there are days where I think I made a giant mistake. Like I never should have done this. But then I think about like all of the clients that we got to meet, all of the clients that we got to work with, the wonderful people that we met during this process because meeting working with the clients and laughing with clients that's like the best part of the job being in the fitness industry i i do fitness brings people together in such a different way it it has this ability to cut cut away all the bullshit and i get to know people for who they actually are. And I always I always loved that part about fitness. Like it doesn't matter how high up you are in your business or what C-suite you are in your company. Like when you come to the gym, you're not working anymore. And I just get to know who you are. And it's so wonderful. I really do think it's like the biggest equalizer there is. It's so beautiful. Like and that's I will always love fitness for that. And I just think that in those five years, we were able to connect and create an impact in that community. So I would say I would do it again. Mm -hmm. Would I, what would I change? I would as hard as it is i i would try to take more time away from the gym it is so hard to do that as owners because you are the you are the foundation you are the rock that holds that business up and so inevitably when you have a team member who calls in sick who is going to go on a two-week vacation, whose car didn't start in the morning, you are the first phone call and you are triage. You have to put things in motion. You figure it out. You train the shift. You are the, Tom and I were the pillars of stabilization for that business. So getting away and especially getting away together was such an ordeal that we did it very rarely. And so I maybe I would maybe I would try to take more breaks and get away. When I look at the reality of the situation, I'm not sure we could have. But I think I do truly believe we did the very best that we could. We put everything we had into those five years. And I do believe we both walked away from it feeling like 
we we left it all out there. Mm-hmm. We put everything we had out there and we could walk away feeling accomplished and feeling so like calm in our bodies that like we did everything we could and it's in great hands now and it's time to it's time to let it go yeah so you let it go october 1 how are you feeling how did that feel to walk away from that and to have this unknown and with you know all the time in the world and nothing really planned like how are you feeling it was it was very emotional there's it's very layered it's very saying goodbye to clients and saying goodbye to this this was a massive chapter in our lives it was very emotional i felt kind of I felt very drained. After that last week in September, I felt so drained and so tired. It took me, I think last week, I was, I mean, I've been sleeping 10 hours a night. I have just been needing to like chill and relax a little bit. This past week was so much better. I feel very like a load has been lifted. I feel like I've been able to like shed this skin <laughs> and I feel like a new person. Just been usually Sundays, like today is a Sunday and usually Sundays were such a work day for me. So I would sit down at my computer three to four hours every Sunday, prep for the week, send out Monday focus email, get the team all on, you know, one page. And it was such a work day for me. And I had anxiety in my body. I just, I I had the Sunday scaries every week. And today I just, I, I feel like a new person. I felt like, I felt like I was in a cage and I finally found my way out of my cage. Mm. And and I feel I feel free. That is huge. And I've seen a shift in you as well. Just your energy is so much lighter. I I feel amazing. I <laughs> and it is, and it's hard too because you know there is always that. You know, I know I'm going to have to go back to work <clears throat> at at some point. You know, it's not like I had a trust fund or we were had this wonderful inheritance, you and I could just never have to work again. Like that's not the case. And work will be an inevitable thing that will happen. But I knew that I was going to allow myself this time to recalibrate. I have not had, I realize I have not had time like this since I started in the professional field. You know, in your journey, you have had a few of these kind of demanded pauses Mm -hmm. on your time and I've not had that before and so I'm finally experiencing that at 37 and it has such a needed pause in the professional realm for me that I am just 
going to suck it up. Yeah. So you knew I was going to ask you this, but what is something you would do if you knew you could not fail? Never work again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the question, but like I I wish I had a wonderful answer for you. Your answer was so cool. Like you were so like dialed in and I I think I'm at I'm going to be honest, I don't think I'm supposed to know that answer today. I think you're in the midst of healing and resting and resetting. I think so too. I I don't think I'm supposed to know that quite yet. Not that I'm not thinking about some creative things that I think would be super fun to to yeah, I mean to create. And I've had a few ideas that have popped into my mind. And that's actually one thing that I have realized in the past five years, I have felt super blocked. You know, you you go to your job and you do the very best you can. And especially with, you know, what I was doing had to be very on all the time. And I would come home and I would feel completely flat. Like I gave all of my energy to my clients. I left none for myself. I left none for Tom. I didn't leave anything for my family. I felt flat, drained. And when you feel like that, their creativity will not flow to you. You're, you're like, it's tapped off. Like it's not coming. And that's the one thing that I felt even just in these past two weeks, like, like I'm being like, things are flowing again. And that's been so fun. And I've been writing more and, of course, reading more and having more white space. And I don't even write to-do lists right now. Like, I lived <laughs> and died on my to-do list. I am not writing. I sometimes don't know if it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday. I'm not writing the date down. Like, I- I'm just letting it. I'm just, I'm just going, going with the flow and doing what I want to do. And so I think I will have the answer to that question and I'll keep you posted. Perfect. I feel like that's a great place to kind of end it this week. Unless there's anything else you feel led to share. No, I think, I think we're good. Amazing. Well, thank you for joining us this week, you guys. We're really excited about what we're chatting about next week. So make sure you tune in and we will see you then. Thank you so much for listening to the Sister Seekers podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Contact us at sisterseekerspodcast at gmail.com. If you felt connected to this episode, make sure to click follow on our show page so you never miss a future episode. Please leave us a glowing review and share with your fellow seekers. Until next time.